Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am David Walker, and on today's podcast, we are back. We are back into post-game podcast mode, uh, and of course, that means I am joined by the one and only uh, fellow writer at Falcoholic, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how you doing, man? Um, good, DW. Um, we've had a night to kind of sleep on the the first preseason game, which for some reason had high expectations, um, <laughs> even though it's a preseason game. Um, and it went according to plan. Everyone's freaking out. And uh, yeah, let's talk about this game. Yeah, it wouldn't be a Falcons game if everyone didn't walk away by freaking out. Um, we are talking about the first preseason game under Arthur Smith. The Falcons were at home. They hosted the Tennessee Titans without Julio Jones, who apparently did not even make the trip. Uh, make of that what you will. Uh, but actually, this was an interesting game in as much as that uh, we probably didn't learn a whole lot about the team, but we learned a lot about some individuals. And I think that's really what these games are for. And actually, you know, we, we sort of always start on offense and defense, uh, but I actually want to start by talking about special teams. And Evan, I know this is a point of focus for you, something you are passionate about. Um, and I want you to give some <laughs> That's thoughts. <so> sad. <laughs> <laughs> but, in, but let's be honest, though. Preseason, okay, so every NFL team, they know of their 53-man roster, 40 to 48 guys are a lock. There is no question right. about those guys. At most, on any given team, there is maybe six to ten positions open, potentially, and the way that these guys find their way onto the roster ultimately is they have to have some special teams value. Um, now, obviously, you know, we're not talking about just the kicker and a punter, but the guys who have to play gunner, the, the returners and, and such as that. So if anything, preseason games are geared towards the guys who are going to be on special teams. Um, and that is, a you know, when you see these individual performances, they really matter from that context. And I, I think it's, it is appropriate to start with special teams. Um, so I, I want you to start, Evan, because I know you're keeping track of this. Um, obviously, the Falcons lost Sterling Hoffrichter, um, our starting punter, uh, due to injury um, already. We're, we're not sure. He's on IR 
Um, there's no such thing this year as uh, season-ending IR, but we don't know when he'll be back. Um, so we're back down to like backups for our punter. How did these guys do, and what was your impression of uh, the, the two guys we've got in camp so far? Yeah, so it's Dom Maggio or Maggio. Maggio, um, Maggio. And Cameron, yeah, not the easiest names. And Cameron, uh, I think it's Naziliak, but I'm sure it's pronounced different. Uh, both of these guys are super inexperienced. Um, no actual regular season punts by either one. Um, but going into the game, Naziliak was listed ahead in the depth chart, which we've talked about all last week. It's not very important um, right. in terms of things. But the assumption, and probably most people thought they were going to see both punters, but you actually only saw one, um, and that was a Cameron Naziliak. Uh, he started it and he finished the game six punts for a total of 324 yards. But the important thing is he was averaging 54 yards per punt and the, his longest, which I believe was his last one went for 60, which is insane. That's um, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If there was a competition, like an even field competition, um, he came out and made a point. Uh, it's going to be a tough battle for Dom Maggio to get back into, but, um, uh, bearing any sort of injury or anything. I mean, Cameron's definitely a favorite, if not the favorite now, um, to go ahead and get the job. Two games left, as you mentioned, so a lot can happen, but right. he came out the gate strong. Yeah, uh, and, th and those punts had hang time as well. I think D. Orlando Ledbetter was keeping track of that, and several of those punts were in the air for over four and a half seconds, um, mm -hmm. which is all you can ask from a punter um, in this coverage was really bad. Yeah. Which is uh, that is something we're definitely going to have to watch. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure, you know, the offense and the defense are going to be mostly vanilla. We'll talk about the defense and, and why it was a little bit surprising. Um, but with special teams, there's no way to do vanilla special teams. So you're actually getting a relatively good look at mm -hmm. how these guys are prepared. And I'm sure our special teams coach uh, was having a conniption fit on the sidelines when he saw <laughs> some of what happened on Friday night. And that's why I wanted to start a special teams. Cause it, it, if anything, if there's any position group where you can really get a good feel for where this unit is going to be at the beginning of the season, it's actually special teams. What we got was a good, uh, you know, sort of firsthand look at where these guys are at. And, you know, the, the puncher looked great, but like you mentioned, I think the coverage was, uh, was very questionable. Now, mm -hmm. The returners, um, you know, we we know kick returner is it's going to be Cordero Patterson. There's no doubt. Um, it really at this point it's about the the punt returners, and also you know Cordero Patterson's only going to be here right now for one year. He's on the one year deal. Um, he could come back, but I, I think you know he's uh, he's getting maybe towards the twilight of his career. And the mm -hmm. Falcons want to find someone that could potentially man that spot for the next several years. Um, so they had several guys, and I think there's two names in particular that stand out who have been sort of at the lead of this competition, and that is wide receiver Chris Rowland, um, who was in camp last year and we thought uh, had you know the front running for that position. And then uh, this year, rookie uh, cornerback Avery Williams, who the Falcons drafted. Um, so what's the story on those guys? Who do you think stood out uh, in the punt and kick return duties uh, between those two guys? 
I mean, to be honest, they both look good, um, especially mm-hmm. in the punt return. Uh, I think Avery Williams just he had a different type of explosiveness that Roland didn't really have. Um, but again, I liked both. I think both are an upgrade of what we've had in past years. Um, as you mentioned, Cordero Patterson will be doing kick returns, but, uh, Avery Williams, I mean, he had three punts and got 85 yards, um, which was really good. Do you know what that average yard total is for Avery Williams on kick returns? Uh, I want to, it's, Oh no. 28.3. 28.3. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the universe uh, hates us, Evan. Yeah. So, I mean, take that sign as you want. Uh, Trevor Davis did have one kick return. Uh, it went for 25 yards, which is pretty solid. But, yeah, it's one game. Uh, I'm not going to jump the gun on saying one's better than the other. Uh, but both look pretty promising. Yeah. And I think if if you were to ask anyone right now who has the edge, it's Probably Avery, Avery Williams. Williams. Yeah. Um, and simply because it, if both guys are equal, the, you know, the coaching staff is going to favor the guy they drafted. Right. Um, but I think to your point, he has sort of this a uh, little bit more explosiveness as a returner. And certainly his college career was absolutely impressive in this regard is one of the reasons he was drafted. So I think they want him to win this position. And I don't know that Roland did enough to, put himself in front of Williams um, in, in the minds of the coaches. But as you know, there are two more games to go. This will be arguably one of the most important battles uh, to watch throughout mm-hmm. training camp. But um, that's also the good thing with uh, preseason is both of these guys have an opportunity to prove themselves elsewhere. Avery Williams yes. proves better as like better at his position than Chris Rowland is at his position. I mean, we have some other receivers. If Chris Rowland separates as, oh, okay, he's a pretty good receiver too then he may get the leg up on Williams. But if Williams is doing better as a corner, you know, and it's like, okay, well, we definitely can't put this guy on the practice squad. That may be what, what the outcome comes out to, you know? So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, no, great point. And to that point, I think Avery Williams actually had a couple plays on defense as well, um, mm-hmm. which probably is going to play in his favor and give him, again, a little bit of an edge right now. But two games, uh, definitely – one of the more important competitions uh, for the Falcons that we can actually get a really good feel for because everything else, if you're, if let's say this up front, if you're freaking out about the offense, don't it's the preseason. Um, it, and honestly with the defense, um, you may be feeling really good about the defense and, and with good reason it is different. It's fun. But uh, I, again, nothing that you saw in that preseason game is a predictor or as an accurate predictor for what's going to happen in the regular season, except maybe for special teams. Um, So that is, again, why I think we started with that. So um, any last thoughts on uh, what our special teams units did? We did see Youngway miss a long field goal, but uh, not the end of the world. I think uh, you Mm -hmm. and I have discussed his accuracy. Once you start getting into the 50, 53-yard range, it starts to fall off. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's kind of been masked over because of obviously going to the Pro Bowl and having onside kick talent that he does. Um, but, yeah, when if you're expecting him to make a 55-yarder or something and it's a no-brainer, like it's going in, that's not the case anymore. Right. Um, right. He's not that type of kicker. But, you know, I, I think it is interesting that, um, as it's been mentioned before, Cameron Naziliak or whatever – his uh, he was a placeholder for Koo when Koo went a perfect fourteen to fourteen in the AAF. 
yep. 2019. Um, so, you know, they're familiar with each other. Maybe that helps play into Cameron making the roster as a starting punter. Um, Cause as you know, the team loves a good story anyway. So that's a good one. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, and Koo is, uh, you know, for, for better, or for worse uh, inside of 50, he's very good. Um, and I think, you know, even last year, I think out, uh, the 50 plus range, he, he did fairly well, but uh, I, I think he's had some shaky kicks there. He obviously missed the long one um, on Friday. I'm not, I'm not freaking out about it, uh, but I think that um, you've mentioned it before. And I think it's a valid point. I, I think that's just not who he's going to be. You know, he's not mm-hmm. Matt Bryant in that regard. Um, so we should keep that in mind. Um, all right. Let's talk about the offense. <laughs> oh, no. so, yeah. So first of all, um, Arthur Smith had uh, rookie tight end Kyle Pitts dress out. It looked like Kyle Pitts was going to get into the game, and then he essentially sat on the sidelines. <laughs> so we did not get to see Kyle Pitts. We saw almost primarily backups, except for one player. And that one player who was not a backup, who's a legitimate starter, uh, was left guard Josh Andrews. And mm-hmm. um, I was mentioning earlier on Twitter, it's all that we can talk about in the Falcolic Riders chat because Josh Andrews against a bunch of backups was god awful at that left guard spot. Like noticeably, the whole line was bad, but like Andrews was bad enough to stand out in a on the bad line. Um, and obviously, going up against a bunch of backups, you would hope that one of your future starters. Uh, is going to be better than that. So I think they're, if you're looking for an immediate takeaway, at least for me, it's that the Falcons probably need to look beyond Josh Andrews to shore up that left guard position because he did not look good at all. Um, am I off base with that, Evan? Do you feel like that's probably uh, one of the more alarming things about uh, an offense that looked like garbage? Yeah, uh, no, I think anybody who watched the game would definitely agree. Um, and I think he was getting more of the focus anyways from fans watching it because knowing he's potentially the starter there in left guard, yep. the rest of them are depth. Um, so it wasn't, I mean, unless you were really buying into the Willie Beavers uh, stuff and he, he, you know, struggled just like everybody else um, with Andrews. It could be one of those things where he's better when he's surrounded by better talent. Um, that's actually a thing. So I don't know. Um, one game, I'm not going to go ahead and write everyone off, but yeah, that definitely was not a start where you come away going, yeah, this guy should be our left guard. It's more (laughs) of a, okay, well, let's see what else we can do there, but you know, maybe give him one more chance, but yeah, that, that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. And, and that's fair. You're right. You know, we should give it more than one game. Um, but if we see anything similar, because more than likely the next preseason game, um, the Falcons will probably have their starters out there. I I would expect for no more than like two or three series, maybe four series at most, depending on how things go. Um, if he is to your point, if he's with the starters and he looks better, it, it could be a very valid point that he's just someone that has to be surrounded by better talent for, for him to Mm -hmm. play well, um, which is not the end of the world. But if he gets and also, there. oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go I was ahead, just go ahead. Say, you know, and also Arthur Smith is lit, like literally was an offensive guard at UNC. Yes. He's coached offensive linemen. So it's not like we have a defensive coordinator trying to figure this out. Like he should be able to figure out who he wants there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll see going forward. But 
definitely have an offensive line minded coach uh, making the decisions, whether they end up bringing somebody else in or they give him another shot. Maybe, maybe it was on purpose to see how he does with the backups. I don't know. Yeah. And honestly, this is one of those things where a lot of times in the preseason and the coaches admit that they do this. And this is something to keep in mind. They put their players in a position to be in one-on-one and they want to see how they hold up, even though in game situations, it may never come down to that. Um, But they want to know how these guys can, you know, hold up uh, one-on-one against a defensive tackle uh, against a defensive end. And this is something where it, it could just simply be that, you know, he doesn't excel in those situations. I think we'll have a better feel next week. Uh, again, I do think we'll probably see the starters out there for a very brief period of time, but we should see them. And if he's out there at left guard as our starting left guard, um, it, it will be our best um, indication of where he probably stands and whether or not the Falcons need to replace him. But he is a name sort of on my red list right now. We're going to certainly pay attention to him. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the quarterbacks, um, you know, Matt Ryan didn't even dress. Uh, which was no shock. And in fact, no meaningful starter on either <laughs> side of the ball actually dressed for this game. Um, and we, we ended up getting a, a half of AJ McCarron first half. And then the second half was uh, Felipe Franks. Um, I, for one have not, I, I've, I've been harping on how boring McCarron is as a quarterback. Uh, he, he doesn't have a very big arm, uh, he's sort of uh, a generic uh, like quarterback that you would. You know uh, what you're getting with him. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know what his ceiling is. Yes. And he's hit that ceiling. <laughs> like he, right. right now, he is a marginal backup at best in, in the NFL. He is a journeyman backup. That is it. Um, and, you know, that's why he's that's why he was available. It's why he's here. Um, I actually think if you had, you know, between him and Matt Schaub, it's not even close. Like Schaub is, would be leaps and bounds better than AJ McCarron. Um, but Franks at least has some potential, some upside. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on what you saw from the two QBs? Again, with the caveat that sort of like everyone around them was sort of terrible. So it's hard to, you know, really get a, a solid assessment of either of these guys. Yeah, that's the important thing. Uh, the offensive line was awful for both of them. Um, Franks obviously has more mobility, and he displayed that on that huge uh, 52-yard run. Um, but, yeah, if the offensive line's broken down, both of these guys you know, are naturally going to struggle. But McCarron made some bad throws, one of which went for an interception. Um, there was actually two, but I think it was like there was pass interference or something. Um, and Franks... You know, he went two for nine, but I would say like three or four of those passes were literally just drops. Drops. Um, yep. That weren't, weren't his fault. He was, you know, pretty accurate for the most part. Um, I would definitely give the leg up to Franks in this battle. McCarron just did not look good at all. Even you take away the how the offensive line was, it was bad for both. And yeah, I, I just don't, I mean, in, you know, realistically, if Matt Ryan went down, you're not going to end up winning a Super Bowl anyways. But you <laughs> expect to, like, have some sort of competence at QB2, um, which they had with Matt Schaub. Right. Uh, now it's a little shaky, you know. If if Ryan, for some reason, has to miss a game and McCarron's coming in, it's automatic L. Um, Franks, I want to see more of. But, again, there's two more games. They could both, 
do better with a better offensive line. But yeah, I don't think either one's cemented into quarterback two role. No, not at all. And um, I, I, I'm a little bit on the Franks hype wagon. I'm definitely on that side too. Yeah. (laughs) For the record. Yeah. We don't know his ceiling. We know McCarron. Exactly. Exactly. And if, if anything else, Franks has the bigger arm. He's more athletic. He did a lot on the ground. He was able to extend plays uh, with his athleticism. Whereas McCarron, you know, the minute uh, the pocket collapsed, he was done. He was toast. He was sacked. Um, At least with Franks, he was able to extend plays, get outside the pocket, make something happen. Um, so I, I think in a world where you're forced to choose be- between these two guys, and it looks like that's where the Falcons are going, I'd rather have the guy with some upside and with more athleticism uh, who can make more plays than the guy who is sort of uh, like a, a just not even a, a marginally good backup quarterback at this point in his mm-hmm. career. Uh, so I would rather have the upside guy. All right. Um, I want to talk about the running backs and I want to talk finally about the defense and and what we saw from them. Uh, Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Uh, as we recap the first preseason game, Falcons versus Titans in Atlanta, uh, where the Falcons did lose, oh, what was the score? 26 to three. It was 23 to three. 23 to three. So, um, yeah, like that's how meaningless the score was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, who cares? We scored three points. Yeah. We scored three points. Whatever. Who cares? Um, all right. The running backs. So we know at this point who the starter is. It's, it's going to be Mike Davis. We mm-hmm. know Cordero Patterson's going to get some snaps. Um, uh, it looks like Quadriolison didn't play because he he was injured and he was wearing the yellow jersey all week. Um, so it came down to Dante Foreman, Javian Hawkins, and Caleb Huntley. And right now, between those three guys, there's probably only one spot available. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is assuming that Olison is everything we've heard he is in camp and is going to be sort of that um, – QB, or I'm sorry, running back two in, in conjunction with Cordero Patterson. Um, what did you think of these three guys? Who stood out to you? Uh, honestly, Caleb Huntley did, uh, one of the undrafted free agent running backs. Mm-hmm. He just looked more explosive. He had a pretty good run that got called back uh, due to a flag. But, I mean, all of these guys kind of were hit like the quarterbacks were, like the offensive line just – was not doing them any favors. Javian Hawkins, who a lot of people were excited to see, had five carries for two yards. That's an average of 0.4 yards per carry. Um, and it was because a lot of the times he couldn't get out of the backfield. Uh, same with Huntley, same with Foreman. Like, it was really not a fair trial for them. So, obviously looking forward to seeing more of the running backs going forward. But right now, I would say Huntley. Yeah, I would agree. I think – Going into this game, everyone was expecting Hawkins to be the front runner. 
And I'm not, again, two more games to go, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. But I think Huntley made a strong case for himself. And I will say, when I was at the practice at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Huntley was the one that was consistently flashing uh, of the two players. Um, so definitely something to keep an eye on because we all sort of thought that Hawkins would be the front runner here. Um, and it looks like Huntley is making a strong push for that final spot. Um, and, it, you know, ultimately these guys are – it may come down to special teams as well and what they can do there. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this plays out, but it, this is one of the ones where um, one game in, uh, I give the nod to Huntley. Um, mm. All right. Anyone else on the offense outside of the offensive line, uh, which let's just, let's just go ahead and agree that they were, they were terrible yeah. across the board. Um, did anyone else jump out to you or uh, seem to be a little bit of a surprise that maybe you weren't expecting? Uh, I want to say something, but honestly, no, um, the offense, I mean, the offensive line just kind of ruined everything for everyone. Yeah. Yep. Just, I mean, the top receiver was John rain. Who's a tight end fullback hybrid. He had two receptions for 15 yards. Like that's pretty much all you need to know. That was the right. top receiving option on the day. Um, <laughs> so maybe if, you know, against Miami, they have better offensive line play, we can get a better look at all of these guys running backs, receivers and definitely the quarterback position. But yeah, I'm just throwing this one under the table, looking forward to next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I did find it interesting that rain uh, did have three targets. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see. He was someone that I've uh, pegged as being a dark horse candidate for that fourth tight end spot um, because he has a versatility because he's been showing up in camp and, and doing a little bit more than, you know, guys like Parker Hesse, Ryan Becker. Uh, we'll see if that holds up. He's a name I'm paying attention to more, more so than maybe I should have because of the fact that the Falcons lost Jaden Graham, who was uh, our, our de facto tight end four and probably one of our better special teams players as well. Um, so rain is someone I've got my eye on and, you know, he didn't necessarily flash, but he did lead, he did lead the team in receptions and yards, which is a sad, mm. sad statement on how <laughs> the rest of the offense looked. Um, all right. I want to talk about the defense because I feel like this is where maybe the most happiness happened for Falcons fans. Um, we all knew going in that the, the talk was, okay, this defense is going to be different under veteran defensive coordinator Dean Pease. This is a guy that likes to use exotic blitzes. He likes to disguise coverages. He will blitz anybody and everybody that's on the field. Uh, he'll send the blitz with the corner. He'll you know rush four, but you know drop a defensive end into coverage and bring in a safety up the middle, up the A-gap. Um, and what I was surprised by, Evan, was you know we always expect vanilla – game planning in the preseason. You know, we saw that with the offense is very boring, um, but we saw from Dean Pease on Friday night, a lot of those exotic looks and I'll be blunt. Mm. It was exciting. It was fun to watch. Um, in my mind, this is going to be a boom or bust defense, which means there are going to be times it's going to be third and five and Dean Pease is going to send eight. And there are times he's going to take down the quarterback and we're going to celebrate. And there are going to be times that quarterback completes like a 50-yard touchdown on that play. Like that's the potential of this defense. It could be a lot mm -hmm. of fun and very frustrating at the same time. But at minimum, this is not going to be a passive rush three defense. Um, 
what did you think of the fact that Dean Pease sort of, you know, came out of the gate showing fans what he's going to do this season? It was fun. Like we finally saw players hitting a quarterback um, <laughs> and you didn't, you didn't know who it was going to be. I mean, there was times where like uh, Errol Thompson just can't, he's a yeah. undrafted free agent linebacker. Um, Mike linebacker came through the middle, literally just blew up uh, the quarterback, um, you know, and then uh, I remember Javian Hawkins or not Javian Jalen Hawkins um, on one play coming through and getting a sack. Like, it was come from all sides. You you didn't know who it was going to be, and I I found that very exciting. It wasn't just mm-hmm. edge rushers or something. It was like the safety comes in. Nope, maybe a linebacker's coming through, but they were they were hit. Yeah, yeah, and I think we literally saw um, a safety, a corner, and a linebacker all get a sack in this mm-hmm. game, and, and so very much to the point that we we're discussing. Um, Dean Pease is sending them from every position, um, and that to me is, you know, what was a lot of fun. Now, as for the individual players, um, I've got a name in mind, but uh, I want to hear what you think uh, as far as guys who really jumped out and you think made a strong case for themselves on the defense um, in in that game. Uh, I think the number one name who stood out was Dorian Etheridge, uh, linebacker undrafted. Had 13 tackles. The next guy had the next guy with the most was five. Um, just an insane amount of number. Um, but he was constantly when he was in, like it wasn't just the stats, you know, making him look good. Like he was literally in every tackle, whether yeah. it was just because of him or it was him and some other dude. Like when you were watching it, you could not miss him. Uh, I think he was wearing number 48 during the game. So if you're able to watch the Miami game, focus on number 48. Um, he's quick. He hits hard. He's going to be fun. And I, I hopefully he makes uh, makes the roster. Our linebacker depth is pretty good considering who our starters are. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I was really excited with him. Um, Richie Green got some action, looked good. Uh, Michael Walker, who, you know, could start, you know, but we'll see how he's actually going to be used, looked good. Um, Errol Thompson, as I mentioned, Jalen Hawkins. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought there were several guys who really stood out. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, absolutely Etheridge, I think was the top name. Uh, as you mentioned, all those tackles, three of those tackles were for loss. So this wasn't mm-hmm. like a Paul Warlow situation where he was tackling guys 10 yards um, <laughs> past the line of scrimmage. He had three for a loss. And, uh, as you said, he was constantly around the ball. Um, really, really excited to see if he can keep this up again, one game. Let's see if he can do this again, um, in the next couple of preseason games, but he is someone that I think made a very strong case for one of those last roster spots. And as you mentioned, our linebacker depth, our inside linebacker depth is actually pretty good. So he's got an uphill climb, but man, he made an impression. Um, the other player I felt like really helped his case. Uh, and you mentioned him just a second ago, Jalen Hawkins, he's sort of the, like it's funny, he's sort of the forgotten draft pick from last year in some ways. Yeah, uh, you know we talk about Marlon Davidson and and some of the rest, and um, Hawkins is the only carryover safety from 2020. Like we lost Keanu Neal, uh, we cut Ricardo Allen, um, we didn't resign, you know, Demonte Casey. Jalen Hawkins is the only one that carried over, and we've heard that he's had a strong camp. 
And man, he looked solid in this game, both in coverage and as you mentioned on that blitz where he was completely untouched and absolutely crushed the quarterback. Um, so he's another guy that I'm really excited to see if he can build on that. But, I, mean, I want to be very clear. I don't think that this means that either of these guys are going to be starters. <laughs> oh, that's not what you meant? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, but at, at minimum, these are guys who could be decent depth and you look towards the long term where you've got two starting safeties right now in Eric Harris and Dron Harmon, who are one-year stopgap veteran signings. Um, can Jalen Hawkins use this year to get some snaps and slowly develop into a potential starter? Um, and, and that is where I, I, I get excited about some of these young guys. Um, can an Etheridge you know, become someone that makes an impact on special teams uh, and becomes a good rotational depth player as an undrafted free agent. If you find guys like that as undrafted free agents, that is a major win. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm with you. These, these two guys stood out. I would say the, the only other name that really jumped out significantly was uh, our second-round draft pick from uh, last year, Marlon Davidson. Um, he came into – and there's been a lot of stories about you know how he has sort of refocused uh, after the – crazy bad um, season he had last year. Not, not just purely from a performance standpoint, I I think uh, with getting injured and then getting COVID and uh, getting injured again, he just had a horrible rookie season and Mm -hmm. he looked good. He was uh, absolutely, you know, which you would hope he was blowing up that offensive line on the regular. He was making plays at the line of scrimmage um, he was showing what you would expect to see from a second round pick that's going up against backups. Um, now, whether that translates into better performance um, against starters it's, remains to be seen, but I felt like he was also a, a, a standout. Um, some of the guys that I was hoping to see more from, and, and at least in my eyes, they didn't really um, jump out enough for me to notice them significantly. Um, Taquan Graham, uh, our, I think what our fourth round, fifth round pick this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, Eddie Ogundeji, uh, I, I felt like he, I think he had half a sack, but mm-hmm. he seemed to be invisible for, for, you know, periods of time. Um, so really want to see more from the, the two young guys. Was there anyone else that you were sort of focused on that maybe you felt like they didn't do enough or you wanted to see more out of them? Uh, I wanted to see more Jonathan Bullard. He had one of those sacks Ah. and looked really good. Um, But again, it's first preseason game. Um, If they're a potential starter or anything close, uh, they're probably not going to get a whole lot of usage. So not a big deal. We'll see more going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, these first preseason games. Like as we're recording this, um, just for reference, Justin Fields is playing for the Bears and has scored a touchdown. And we're already seeing the anointing of him as the next great quarterback. And look, I get it. The Bears have been starved for QB play for a long time, but um, it is so easy. And it, it happens every single year. Uh, you and I have seen this, Evan, for the past several years. People get so hyped up about what happens in the preseason game and it just never translates. Um, and please don't un- misunderstand me. I'm not saying Justin Fields is going to be a bust. Uh, I just find it funny when we get way overhyped or way uh, invested into a preseason game um, on it, you know, like we know we go through this every year. It's uh, you know, it's kind of funny to me. So 
anyhow, the Falcons uh, in this game, I feel like <sighs> they didn't assuage any concerns. Maybe on the defense they did. The defense made the fans feel a little bit better about what Dean Pease is going to do. I, I saw a lot of people um, you know, going on about how great Dean Pease is going to be, and I certainly hope that holds up. Um, but what was your overarching takeaway from this game, Evan, if, if anything? Uh, our defense, like you said, more boomer bust. It'll be more exciting, more hits, and hopefully more sacks <laughs> than we're used to seeing. Um, the offense depth needs some more work. Um, offensive line is depth is not great. Um, but aside from that, I mean, this is pretty much what you expect in a first preseason game. Yes. Uh, people are going to overreact and that's fine. It happens literally every year, except for last year because of COVID, but happens all the time. Um, and it'll probably happen after the next game too. Like it's preseason. Um, mm -hmm. there's been teams who literally win no game in the preseason and then wind up winning the Super Bowl. I think the lions, that one year where they uh, didn't have a regular season win, I think they won all their preseason games. Yes. So, like, it really doesn't 2008, matter. In fact, yeah, Matt it Ryan doesn't, was drafted. Right. And it, so it, it literally does not matter as much as people think. Um, certain positions, it gives you a better look at players. But that's what it's used for. Like, like I don't even care about the score um, because I wanted to see specific players and I got to see specific players yep. and you just watch those battles as we go forward. Um, they have to make, I believe five um, roster cuts by right. the next game. Yes. So um, not sure where that's going to come from, probably from receiver, probably from maybe one of the backup tight ends. We'll see. Um, but there's you know going to be some moves made before they suit up again against Miami. Yeah, and that's uh, – I'm not expecting any big surprising cuts like, you know, <laughs> Josh Andrews. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, the, we have to lose five. Uh, and, honestly, I think, you know, we're, we're not, it's going to be a blip on the radar. Um, but, yes, to echo your point, um, I, I think we're, we're seeing a lot of people sort of freak out a little bit, and it's just not worth it. it, it these games are meaningless, especially on the offense. Um, look at the individual performances. Look at what these guys did. Um, in one-on-one -on -one situations. And I think you, that's where you'll find the most takeaways. And even at that, it is still somewhat limited. You know, I don't think we can say with certainty that Caleb Huntley is better than uh, Javian Hawkins. You know, that's uh, remains to be seen. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out, but like you uh, and like most of the fans, I was excited to see a defense that at minimum is not going to be what we've had in Atlanta since 2015 um, which was very vanilla, very boring, rush three or rush four and, mm -hmm. and, and hope and pray. Um, it looks like Dean Pease is going to give us a defense that they may not be great, but they're probably going to be fun. And that's better than what we've had the past yeah. six years. Um, all right, Evan, with that, why don't you remind our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. Um, just go to falcolic.com for literally everything uh, Falcons related. Now that there's actually been a game played, um, there'll be even more contests specifically to this season. Um, and you can follow the Instagram. I always forget to plug that. The underscore falcolic. And yeah, just don't overreact and, you know, enjoy preseason games because they're, they're fun. A lot of these guys are probably never going to get to actually play in a regular season game so this is, means a lot to them um 
just you know don't poo poo on preseason <laughs> oh i love it uh as for me guys you can follow me on twitter at falcoholic dw updates for this podcast at falcoholic pod and of course our articles daily as evan mentioned at thefalcoholic.com so for evan birchfield this is david walker thank you guys for listening in we'll talk with you next time